Good morning. Happy New Year. I'm Pastor Mark, and this is E3, and this is the first Sunday of the new year. I don't know about you. People are different, right? That is a true statement. People are very different. And some people absolutely love the holiday season, right, and, and all that goes on about it. Anybody like that? Yeah. I, I'm, not saying, I mean, I'm not saying you're, like, okay with it. I mean, like, you... That's your lifeblood. Like, you look forward to it. You wish it would never end kind of people, right? Not so many hands. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, and, and some people uh, are, are schedule people and, and like, like the routines and things like that. And I'm more on the, I like the routines. I don't like other people's routines, but I like my routines. <laughs> If, you, if your routine disrupts my routine, then we have problems. But I like what I do, and, and the holiday season, even though I like a lot of aspects of, of the holiday season, uh, I actually really love this day, uh, the first Sunday of, of the new year, because it, it's, it's getting back to life. For me, at least, this is the way I look at it. it, it it's the time where, where you say, okay, that was, that was great and that, that was fun, but let's, let's get back to doing normal life. This is the time, you know, uh, you step on the scale and you're like, okay, you know, what did you get? <laughs> yeah, what did you get for Christmas? I got fat. You know, you know <laughs> that's what I got for Christmas. So, you know, all of these different things. But the other thing is... Uh, some people love making New Year's resolutions. Some people hate it and things, and things like that. For me, I, I really love, you know, basically the, the week after Christmas and, and to this Sunday because this is what I do every single year that I, I look back at the, the previous year and celebrate what God did in our community and what God did uh, in me and in my family and things like that. And then I shift gears and really uh, write down, you know, what would I celebrate? What, am I, what do I want to celebrate next December? And it's kind of funny that, that I, I titled this message, What Will You Celebrate in December 2016? And I sent it to Don, who does all the fridge folds and things like that. And she said, do you mean 2015? And I'm like, no, 2016. And this is a question that I had for the staff uh, last week was, what will you celebrate in December 2016? What are the things that you're going to go, wow, I am glad that I put my time into that and my energy and I sacrificed. This is what I want to celebrate and having those conversations and then working toward those things. You know, I know some people think, well, January is just any other month. It's, it's arbitrary. But isn't that true with life? Life is what you make of it. Life is how you view it and look at it. And for me, I look at this as an opportunity for new life, for new vision, for, 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 for a new pattern to, to achieve the things that, that 
will, will, we will want to celebrate, that, that, that we'll be proud of, that, that it, we will be a wise steward of our time and our energy and our talents and all of these kinds of things. Because the reality is, this is what I love about time, is that each and every one of us are entrusted with one year, this year. That, that and, and everybody, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter where you come from, we all get the same amount of time. And how we choose to use that time will greatly determine the results or, or what, you know, what we see or what we experience or the lives that we touch or what we do. And to me, this is a very important time of the year where we really ask these questions, you know, what is my life worth? What is worth giving my life toward? And, you know, a lot of times I think New Year's resolutions that they fall flat because they're, they're just things or goals or things like that. I want to I want to be a better person. I mean, it's not very quantifiable. You know, are you a better person this year than you were last year? Yeah, that's what I thought too. You know, I, I, I don't know. You know, or, you know, I want to be my ideal weight, whatever that is. You know, well, you know, all of us want to be our ideal weight. But, I mean, what, what does that mean? We can, you know, I want to, you know, do this or that, everything. And, and, I think a lot of ways that, that having New Year's resolutions like that, they fall flat because there's no why in it. It's just, a, it's just a thing. It's something that we may be dissatisfied with in our own life, but, but there's really no larger purpose behind it. And what I really want to talk about today is, is us as followers of Christ, what I really want to talk about today is even closer to that is us as a group of individuals who have been united in Christ Jesus to make up the local church. Not only the local church, but this local church. I mean, each and every one of you chose to come here today. That means something. It matters that, that we have that in common, that, that we came together as different individuals to unite as, as the body of Christ Jesus to not only hopefully be encouraged by one another, but also to, uh, to grow and to be mobilized to being the tangible hand of Christ. And what I hope is to really lean into the why we do what we do here at E3 today. And one thing that I like to do at the beginning of, of each year is I like to go back to some of my uh, formative scripture, or script, not my scripture, but this, I, I've taken ownership of it, but uh, scripture that has been formative in my life. And, and I was led to talk about today Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. I believe Paul's writing this in this does such a magnificent job of the why behind the local church. 
Why we don't just do it alone? Why, why do we do anything? Why do we come together? What is that meant to look like? And all these, you know, this just real heart of the why. And hopefully each and every one of you have a pen today because I'm going to take you through an exercise. I do this every so often of how I interpret scripture and, and, and pull out scripture. So I'm going to ask you in your fridge folder, if you want, in your Bible to underline, and I'm going to ask you to circle some stuff. You may want to do it on your fridge fold just in case you're like, that was stupid and not, not in your Bible for the rest of your life. So you can transfer it up, up to you. But this is what I'd like you to do. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 1. And right off the bat, there's four words, and I want you to underline these words. If you have a highlighter, in my Bible, I highlight, uh, this is highlighted in yellow. And the first four words was, once you were dead. Once you were dead. Now, that's a bizarre kind of four words, because usually, if you dead, Jack, you dead, not once you were dead, you were just dead. No once about it. So obviously there's, a, there's an interesting thing going on right here. And this is the beginning of, of really our understanding of the gospel in the church that every single one of us in this room, once you, once I was, were dead. Why? Because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And basically, this section is Paul writing, look, the way it was for each and every one of us, this is just the way it was, that once we were dead. And you know what? We used to choose to follow our passionate inclinations of our sinful nature. Essentially, you know what? Given a choice, we're meant to be followers of Jesus Christ. Instead of following Jesus, every single one of us were dead because we chose to follow our passions and our sin nature instead. Now that manifests itself in all sorts of ways. That, that can be, you know, uh, you know, sexually, that can be just selfishly, that can be uh, just uh, uh, with greed, uh, just uh, or or self indulgence. You you name it. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Essentially, if you are not relentlessly for fo relentlessly following Jesus, you are not following Jesus. You are following the sinful inclinations of your. Uh, of, of your own desires. And Paul's saying, look, that's the way it was. But, and here's where the, the gospel comes in. And if you uh, circle the word but, and just, this is so helpful in, in, in Bible, te, uh, just understanding. 
especially in Paul's writing, that Paul does a great job of laying out something, you were dead, and then he comes up with a but or a so. Those buts and those so's are critically important because it's the transition. Those buts and the so's are Jesus's intervention into our lives. Before there, Jesus came and, and gave us the opportunity to be saved and to be fulfilled and be united with him and have a right relationship with God, a right relationship with others, and a right relationship with his creation, there was no buts, if, ands, or whats, or buts, or anything. And this is the instance of the gospel whenever you're reading in, in the New Testament, you see a but or a so uh, that, that you know that there was a divine intervention in order for that but or that so to be there. So in Ephesians chapter four, or verse number four, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So what's going on here was that the first four words in this passage, once you were dead. And then he says, but because of God's rich mercy and grace, we were raised that we were raised because he raised Christ Jesus. And this is where it gets good. So why did all this happen? I, once we were dead, God could have just let have left us dead, but he didn't do that. He sent his only son, so we didn't have to remain dead. So, and here's the big thing. This is the so what? Like we're reading this, so what? Why did God do this? Well, this is the so what? And this is amazing. And I don't think a lot of times when we think about the gospel, we think about this, so what? Paul writes, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. You understand the magnitude of that, so what? that the church is God's legacy, his monument to future generations that proves that God is rich in grace and mercy. Let that sink in for a second of the profound nature of what we are doing. We are God's legacy. And I don't know about you, but you know, you're growing up and you would go to church because it was somebody else's church. You were young and it wasn't your time yet. But the reality is nobody tells you when it's your time. When it's your time to be the church. And and the magnitude and what is it at stake here is that our time, those of you who chose to come here today, for one reason or another, you made that choice. And by making that choice is really one of the biggest 
indications that you are the church. You are part of this local church, that you are part of making the legacy that God can say, you know what, future generations? I'm pointing back to this church to show you what it is like to be fully devoted followers of Jesus in a broken and messy world. Now, you may sit back and say, well, gosh, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. And, and, and hopefully that, that uh, you know, God's brought some heavy hitters here. But the reality is, and this is why I, I think I love the church so much and I love the gospel so much, is, is the church works best when it functions more like the bad news bears than America's all-star team. Because we're told in scripture that, that you know what? God calls those who, who are are broken and messy and know that they need a savior. And I love, I love the idea of, you know, the movies, the old movies and shows like the Bad News Bears. I don't know, you guys ever see that? I mean, they're terrible movies, but the concept is, is amazing. You, you have the, you know, the, the, the outcast kids, right? They're not the thinnest they're not the handsome, they're not the coolest, they're not the most talented, they're a mishmash of, of just, you know, of, of these, you know, the, the outcast kids. And then, to top it off, they, you know, have a, you know, a dysfunctional coach that comes in, you know, because he has to do community service or something like that. And somehow, them all coming together and working together, they're able to beat the best of the best. And that's one of the beauties of, of the church. That not only does you know, God not want the first round draft pick, but he goes out and actively pursues and wants those who others cannot see the potential in, and to see them excel. Because at that point, when the body of Christ comes together and works together and creates and does amazing things together, that it brings glory to God. So there was the way it was, and the reality that, you know what, the church, this church, is God's legacy, and all of us are responsible for making it what God has envisioned it to be. And the reality is that we have all been saved by grace. Not one of us is good enough, but we're also saved for a purpose. And these next three verses are so powerful in just, in just uh, what it looks like to be the church. So these next uh, six words, God saved you by his grace. Underline that. God saved you by his grace. That's, that's the action that happens when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so, circle so, and then underline the next part, we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. We have been saved by God's grace, not because we are good enough or smart enough or we have something to offer. No. So we can do the great things that he planned for us long ago. Now, I want you to really just catch the magnitude of of this idea. Before you existed, before I existed, before any thing existed, God had you in mind. He had me in mind. That God has this ultimate plan. And I, I, I want you to reject the idea, uh, not, not so much the idea, the, the cliche of, of purpose and all that. It's been overused. Okay? I get that. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the word of God here in a very important concept. And the concept is that before God created anything, he knew you. He knew where you would be right here, right now. He knows all the crummy stuff that's happened to you. He knows the things that have let you down. He knows what your passions are. He knows what your experiences are going to be and we're going to be. And he has prepared you to be part of the greatest story that ever has been told not as a lone ranger, not as an individual, but as a masterpiece. I like to think about it as a mosaic of shattered vases and shattered uh, pottery put together by a master's hand creating a new thing, that being a new creation. And I think that this is such an important concept for each and every one of us to get because, because I think that a lot of times we think at church like, well, I'm not a public speaker or I'm, I, I'm not a musician or, or things like that. And when we do that, when we say, I do not have any part in the body of Christ, we are denying the sovereignty of God. See, You are saying that God made a mistake when he created you. That he created you in the wrong time or the wrong place and you have nothing to offer. And that is counter to the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is a lie. The reality is, and hear me please, because I do, I believe this to my core, that every single one of us have an opportunity to be part of that plan. We weren't recruited. We were not the first round draft pick and then God saying, you know, I'll trade you, you know, I'll trade you Casey and, and, and Susan for Kim or something like that. That's not how it happened. That, that God said, you know what? I 
in creating this person because you know what? They are so special that they are going to have a unique fingerprint or influence on the manifestation of my good news, my gospel, my hope, my love, my, my uh, opportunity for relationship in this time, in this place right now. And it is our job as followers of Christ not only to find that our part in the mission, but to find the people that we are going to unite with in Christ Jesus who are going to be the strength where we are weak so we can go forward and be the tangible hand of Christ, that we can be the voice of love, that we can be the ears uh, that, that hear the pain so we can introduce people to the ultimate love of Christ. And God calls that, when that happens, when that beauty happens, God calls that his masterpiece. And then ultimately, he comes back and finishes up this this part with this, is don't forget where you came from, though. And this has been the problem with God's people from the beginning. The Israelites forgot where they came from. The Gentiles forgot where they came from. And people, uh, Christians in today's day and age, forgot where they came from. Verse 11, he says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You know, think about the bad news bears and they're hoisting the trophy and, and, and they're, they're all winners. And, and Paul here would be like, don't forget, nobody wanted you on the team, that you were outsiders, that you were not on the inside. Don't forget that you were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision. And even though it only affected their bodies and not their hearts, in those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promise God had made them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now, what do you do? Circle it. But now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. So I think I forgot to tell you in verse 11, underline, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. That's the statement. Circle, but now, you know what? You've been brought near to him, so you were once outsiders, but you are near. And the, the tragedy that happens is when we forget that we were saved by grace. When we start to think by some reason that, hey, you know what, I'm good enough or smart enough, or hey, God's lucky to have me, or something like that, you better laugh uncomfortably. But some of us in our hearts think that. We have to constantly remember that not one of us was good enough. This is why baptisms are so important in the church. Is it, it is a constant reminder of that we were once outsiders, but now we are part of the family of God. But that's not because of us. 
it doesn't say anything about us. It says everything about God. And when I think about these 14 verses and what the implications are, implications are to the local church and, and, and specifically our church that we say, you know what, this is our time in this place and we remember that we are outsiders, but for some reason that God has ordained that all of us from different backgrounds and, and different views and different histories and different states and different uh, countries, that we are all here right now to come together to be the manifestation of Jesus Christ in this lost and hurting world. Each and every one of us. And I was thinking about this and thinking about what I believe God has called our church to do, and we sum it up uh, in, in 10 words. And I've devoted my life to these 10 words, and this is what our church should be devoted to and has been devoted to. In fact, these 10 words, everything that you see, everything that you experience, everything that you hear at E3 is based on these 10 words. And these 10 words are this. Our purpose at E3 is to make mature, immobilize, fully devoted followers of Christ. To make mature, immobilize, fully devoted followers of Christ. That we believe that this is what God has called us to do. And I was thinking about, you know, how, how to illustrate that because a lot of times that we don't, uh, we don't really see everything that's going on in our church. And because we don't see everything that's going on in our church, we don't really know where to plug in. For vast majority of us, we see what happens on Sunday with musical worship and, and teaching. And I'm going to run through some pictures here of some different things with the hope that you see something that, that resonates in your heart. Because I believe to my core that each and every one of us has a place in the kingdom of God. I believe to my core that none of us are here by accident. I also believe to my core that we make up the church, not an individual. I don't make it the church. Eric doesn't make the church. Dan, Lori, one person, two people. The staff doesn't make the church. We make the church. And the really the cool thing is some of the greatest and coolest things that our church does did not come from the staff. It came from us. So I want to run through some of, the, uh, some of these things. And again, be looking at these different things because I'm going to ask you at the end of my talk that you lean into something. That you grab hold of the idea, the truth, not even the idea that you are not here by accident, that you have a critical role to play and that you hold within your uh, ability to change the direction of this church and people's lives because of this church. So yeah, we all see people singing and, and teaching on Sunday uh, in, in different activities and, and things like that. But that is, that is part of our church, but that is not what we do as the church. 
We also, in, we have uh, first, first Sundays, uh, at Sunday night, we have musical worship uh, time. We also have um, a family uh, experience that, that's happening uh, on January 31st, which will be really great. Uh, another amazing thing that happens behind the scenes that happens all the time that you may not be aware of is the discipleship track. And this is really the, the heartbeat of our church because, look, we're to make mature and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. And we've spent all this time making this discipleship track where, you know what, we realize that different people grow closer to Christ and each other in different ways. And some of those things are through equip classes like the picture here where you have FPU and teaching people how to manage their finances in a godly way. Or we have the, the going deeper that is written each and every week. It just takes this, uh, the talk that's given on Sunday to a deeper level or other equip classes that are happening or, or just the beginning points of a first class that's happening right back there at the end of this gathering. And it just gives you 10 minutes on just how to get started. We also um, have different expressions and on-ramps of just experiencing God, like going through global outreach trips or uh, leadership training. And here's a picture. Uh, we took 74 E3ers to uh, the Willow Creek uh, leadership Summit last year, just a way for us to come together and to be able to better uh, lead each other to being fully devoted followers of Christ. And we're going to do that again this year, and hopefully that you'll uh, make the time to join us with that. Um, E3 Kids, unless you have a kid, you, uh, you probably don't see all the cool things that are happening at E3 Kids. We have the Sunday experience that happens, and they got this new curriculum that I'm really excited about. It's called Orange. You know why it's called Orange? Well, basically, it's the fusion between the home and the church and how to, how to bring these things together. And red symbolizes the home, and yellow symbolizes the church. And together, red and yellow, the home and church makes... Orange, very good. You can all be E3 Kids teachers. Uh, well, uncomfortable laughter. Uh, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, we have uh, E3 Kids does different Connexity events and things like that, like the annual pool party and movies and things like that. We also have student ministries with senior high and junior high and uh, they get together and they go on two uh, annual retreats. We call them advances every single year. And then also just the weekly Bible uh, teaching and having fun and, and things like that. Also, Serve Tallahassee, uh, we talk about this. You know that we serve over 70 under-resourced families in Tallahassee. And there's people who faithfully uh, serve uh, by bringing supplemental groceries to them and encouraging them not only uh, uh, physically, but emotionally and spiritually. We also, you know about the Christmas party, you see all the presents and we already just had that. Also global outreach, we support long-term missionaries. We also send uh, short-term uh, teams every single year to Guatemala, to Haiti, and also to Uganda. We're going to be going again this year. It is a great way to experience God in a different culture. Uh, 
also local outreach, just going out and being uh, Christ in the community. This is one of our cooler uh, ministries of the Red Eye Mobile Cafe that we go out to different runs and, and, and walks and different community events. And our church uh, uh, serves complimentary coffee from our church, Red Eye Coffee, to uh, our community and just saying, you know what? You care about this event and we care about you, so we're here. And we know that, you know what? Maybe you'll never come. To, to our church, but you know what? We, God so loved us, he came, and we lo- so love you that we're coming to you, that you don't have to come to us. And it's a fantastic ministry that, that's been going on going for a long time, that we're involved in different, we're involved in the Tallahassee Chamber of Commerce and the, uh, any, the Institute of Nonprofit Innovation and Excellence. We also provide meeting space uh, for a women's pregnancy center. One of the great things about buying this facility is it's given us extra space to be able to bless other ministries, like the women's pregnancy center, like Go Foster, and uh, also uh, the Hang Tough Foundation, uh, which uh, uh, raises money and support for uh, families with, uh, with children with cancer. And we house them. They, they needed a place to house, and, and they run their ministry out of out of E3. Also, we're part of the community. I don't know if you know this, but uh, I'm a guest lecturer at, at FSU. This is a picture of me uh, teaching a social entrepreneurship class actually at Red Eye. They did a field trip there. And I always, you know, I, I'm asked to, to uh, share at FSU, business schools, economics, and, and the entrepreneurship school about what we've done with Red Eye. And I always tell them, I can't share the story of Red Eye without sharing my faith. Always tell them that. I want to be very upfront. And they always say, well, if that's part of Red Eye, then, then come. And I just, this one, I just, I pinch myself every time I'm doing it. I'm like, this can't be real. You know, that FSU has invited me to share about, about uh, being the tangible hand of Christ. And it, it's really, really cool. You know, also, you know, Red Eye, you know, you've seen Midtown and you know the other ones that were opening up. Another thing, another ministry that started this year that has been so powerful in people's lives in our community and our extending community is E3 Fit. We have group classes on Mondays, Tuesdays, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays uh, that are happening. We also do nutrition classes. I've been uh, coaching uh, kids on bikes uh, for many years now, Red Eye Velo. There's all the cute little kids. And uh, also that's expanded to a women's and master's group. And uh, we do that. So all of these different things. Also women's ministry, She3, that on Wednesdays, a.m. and p.m., there's weekly meetings. There's uh, the advances that they go on. There is the last advance and then connects to the events. I think it's a plagiarism event. Okay, okay. Uh, also, men, uh, authentic manhood meets on uh, Sunday nights and does a bunch of different stuff. Uh, also, hospitality, just all the different uh, hospitality and events that go on and all the different connexity events like musical events and the chili cook-off and all of these different things. So I, I show you these things because um, 
we're so much more than just what happens here on, on Sunday mornings. And all of these ministries are impacting people's lives in a positive way. And just about every single one of these ministries have been started by us as the church, not by a few people sitting in a room on Tuesday morning. And this is the beautiful thing about the church when it is working right. And this is what I, I want to ask you. I believe there's something great inside you. It's called the Holy Spirit. The same, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead and dwells in you. You couple that with right now, you have been entrusted with the hope of the world, the local church, the only organization ordained by God to speak into every aspect of somebody's being. And then add my personal belief. And I want you to hear this, but I want you, I, I want to ask you to open up your hearts and, and put this deep in your heart. And I want this to almost be like uh, sand getting into an oyster that it irritates so much that eventually it becomes a pearl. And this is what it is. I believe with everything that I am that you are critical to the mission that God planned for us long ago. I don't know what part you play, but I believe my very fabric that December 2016, what we celebrate has been entrusted to you. You choose to be part of what God has ordained for you long ago, the good works that God has planned for you long ago, or you choose not to. You choose to fully lean into it, or you choose not to. But I believe that your service matters. I believe your ideas matter. I believe your money matters. I believe your time matters. I believe that when we come together, united in Christ Jesus, that the gates of hell will not prevail. I know I can't do it, but I know that I've been called to bind myself together with you. And I don't have all the answers, but this is what I do know. When the people of God come together that we are like an unstoppable force of love and good deeds in the world. And I can't make you do it. I can't make you believe. But what is true is that we are the legacy that God is going to point to in future generations. And it is our time and it is our place. And it is our responsibility to be the women and men 
who are fully devoted expressions and manifestations of Jesus Christ in this lost and hurting world. You guys pray with me.